Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. to give an introduction to what I want to share with you today, which introduction will explain why I am ministering the word that I want to minister to you today. During the course of last week, I received an email from an old friend, which brought great sadness to my soul. And as a result prompted me to share with you the word which I am about to minister today. Seeking the Lord in prayer, the Holy Spirit revealed to me that if the knowledge we have of God inspires and motivates us to serve him with a loyal heart and a willing mind, things will go well with us. Now, Job chapter 36 and verse 11 says, If they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. I'm going to read that verse of scripture today, and I pray that the Lord will give us ears to hear and a heart that understands God's ways. Job said, if they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. But if we forsake him and turn our back to God, we can expect trouble, turmoil, and anguish in one form or another. Romans chapter 2 verse 8 says, but to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but they obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first and also of the Greek. But glory, honor and peace to everyone who works what is good to the Jew first and also to the Greek. God is no respecter of persons. And if we seek him with all of our hearts and finding out the will of God for our lives and pursue that will above all else, then God promises us we will have a future with him, we will enjoy his blessings, and we will have years spent in pleasure. Now, here is a portion of scripture that encapsulates the message that I want to bring to you today. These scriptures are found in Chronicles chapter 28, verses 9 and 10. These scriptures are very close to my heart because I use these verses of scripture not only to marry Stephen and Nicole, but also to commission him as well as Michael into the ministry. 
This is what Chronicles 28 verses 9 and 10 says. As for you, my son Solomon, this is David speaking to his son Solomon as he hands over the reins of the kingdom to him. And he says to him, as for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a loyal heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intent of the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Now, the key word in these two verses of Scripture is the word know. K-N-O-W. Know. David said to Solomon that if you will ever succeed as the future king of Israel, it will be because you know the God of your father. Now, the meaning of the word know is far broader and much deeper than just intellectual knowledge. We need to understand that. But rather a knowledge that comes out of living and tangible experiences with God. It is more experiential knowledge rather than intellectual. Psalm 34 verse 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, to taste is to experience. This is the kind of knowledge that David is referring to. He said to Solomon, I want you to know and experience the same God I have walked with all my life. The one who anointed me and saved me. The one who delivered me from all of my enemies. The God who comforted me when I need to be comforted. The one who provided for me, protected me. And the God who strengthened and empowered me to this very day. That is the God that David wanted his son Solomon to know. He said to him, if you know him as such, you will then be able to serve him with a willing mind and a loyal heart. Now, he wanted his son Solomon to experience the all-sufficient God, and out of this experiential knowledge, rule and govern the nation he was releasing now into the hands of Solomon. A major problem we have in our churches today worldwide is that the knowledge we acquired of God is more intellectual rather than experiential. It's more of a head knowledge rather than revelation knowledge or heart knowledge. It is not the kind of knowledge that comes out of our personal encounters with God's presence. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Personal encounters with God's presence. Once a person has a personal encounter with God and he experiences his tangible presence and tastes of his loving kindness and mercy, he will never be satisfied with anything else. A divine hunger and a spiritual thirst 
is placed within them which sets them apart from anything else and puts them on a path, on an ever-pursuing course for more and more of God's presence. This is what Jesus meant when he said to the woman of Samaria, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And this is recorded in John's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 13 and 14. Jesus was referring to a spiritual experience resulting from a personal encounter with God's Holy Spirit. This is the secret of the mighty men and women of God throughout the ages, according to Hebrews chapter 11. In chapter 11 of Hebrews, there is a hall of fame, the hall of the heroes of faith. And this is the secret of these mighty men that they were able to do. Listen to what the Hebrew writer says. They were able to subdue kingdoms worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness became strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens, women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. I ask a question. What made them such fearless individuals? What was the secret of the overcoming faith? They had tasted and experienced the tangible presence and power of God, which came out of the personal encounters with God. They had tasted and seen and experienced that the Lord is good. What was Moses' secret? Let's look at Moses for a moment and his life. What was it that made Moses such an exceptional man? What was the secret of his success, the secret of his humility? What was the key to his ability not only to understand God, in a way that he did, but also to release God's power in such an awesome way. I believe the secret was this. He valued the presence of God in his life more than anything else. And for the sake of knowing God and for the sake of hosting his presence, the Bible says that he sacrificed everything that could have prevented him from experiencing God in all of his fullness. He had a firm conviction that without the presence of the Lord, he could do nothing. And because of that, he pursued God with all of his might. In Hebrews chapter 11, we get a glimpse of his journey of faith while still in Egypt and the choices 
Moses made as a result of learning how to host the presence of God. Listen to what Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24 through to 26 says. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. The word says when he grew up, in other words, when he matured spiritually, he chose. What did he choose? He chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures or the passing pleasures of sin. He forsook the glory and the glamour of Egypt and chose affliction and suffering because he valued God's presence more than any earthly possession. That's why he, he came to a place where he knew God so intimately and was able to do through God what he did. Let's look at another giant of faith, Paul. Here is Paul's testimony. His encounter with the Lord Jesus ruined him for this present life. And he would not be satisfied with anything else, the Bible says, but the fullness of God's presence and the joy of being intimately connected to him. This is what he says in Philippians chapter 3. And I encourage you to meditate these verses of Scripture. Meditate on them. And, 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 and get to the depth of what the Word of God is saying here. Philippians chapter 3 verse 7. He says, this is Paul speaking. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed... I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul says everything that I gained in this life, he was a highly educated man. He achieved great things in the, in the religion that he was part of the, of the Pharisees. But all those things, he said, I count them as rubbish for the excellence of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, my Lord. And he considered the knowledge of Christ, this experiential knowledge that we're talking about, this encounters, personal encounters with God more valuable than any other thing he achieved in life. So we see in these two giants of faith, 
where the values were, what they esteemed as precious in life, and what they treasured most and what they pursued most in their life. That is why they got to the place where they where they got. They they knew God, not just intellectually, but experientially. They've tasted not just the power of God, but the loving kindness and the mercy of the Lord. And they suffered along with Christ, as Paul says. And they chose suffering rather than pleasure for the excellence of that intimate knowledge of Christ. Now, the reason we are not hungry for more of God, I believe, is because we are content and we're satisfied with just an intellectual knowledge. Now, this week marks 44 years ago, this very week, I had my first experience with the Holy Spirit. God touched my life one evening at El Dorado Park in Johannesburg, and I was born again by the living word of God. A few days later, the Lord baptized me in the Holy Spirit. I recall that very night when I got born again, the Lord placed in my heart such a divine hunger, a spiritual thirst, I recall, that could not be satisfied with anything else. I have tasted of the heavenly gift. And since that day, it ruined my self-centered plans and pursuits. It enabled me to forsake self and the desires of the flesh and flesh and self and pursue the very will of God. From that day forward until this day, with the help of that Holy Spirit, the person of the Spirit of Christ, I pursued the will of God above all else. I considered the will of God and the obedience to his will far more important than anything else. Above my family, above my wife, above my children, above worldly possessions. What is the will of God for me? I sought that. I pursued that. And 44 years later, I look back over my life and I can see the blessing of the Lord. Blessing wherever I cast my eyes, from my family to my children, grandchildren, to where God placed me, to the relationships he's given me. The spiritual blessings, the material blessings. It's all part of the reward of pursuing the will of God above all else. From that day forward until today, I do not recall a time that I did not seek the face of God. In that pursuit, my experiential knowledge of God began to grow and dominate, literally dominate my entire life. From one experience to the next, I recall, and from one infilling of the Spirit to the next, my soul found rest in God alone, in his loving arms. And I want to give testimony to the faithfulness of God today, to his loving kindness, to his compassion and mercy, the mercies of God that are new every morning, and the grace of God 
that has carried me to this very day that I am sharing this with you. I have literally experienced what Isaiah wrote about so many years ago when he said in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 9, With my soul I have desired you, Lord, in the night. Yes, by my spirit within me, I will seek you early. What a powerful testimony there for Isaiah. And all these men of God, these divine encounters with his presence truly is the secret that transformed my entire life, the way I think and the path that I chose to follow. They took me from one nation to the next, from one country to the next, preaching the gospel of his kingdom. They took me from one battle to the next, and I have experienced this ever-abiding presence delivering me, protecting me, providing for me, comforted me every step of the way. But these encounters, they also brought me face to face with opposition. If you're going to do the will of God, child of God, know that you will face opposition even from your very close circle. They will try to oppose you, distract you, stop you. If the devil cannot stop you from being born again, he will certainly, certainly try to stop you from fulfilling the will of God in your life. Now, they brought me face to face with great opposition, persecution from the hierarchy of the religious establishments. But in all of that, I recall, not once did I doubt the call of God or feared their threats or intimidation. Never, not once. I recall <clears throat> one day when the bishop uh, in Harare summoned me into his office for the third time. And he threatened me and he said, if you continue preaching this gospel that you're preaching, I will excommunicate you. I will tell the people not to have fellowship with you. And once you get excommunicated, the Greek community, you know, you need to understand that the culture where I was raised up and come from, religion and, and ethnos, ethnicity are intertwined. If you're not Orthodox, then they not consider you to be a pure Greek. And so uh, he threatened me with excommunication. I recall I came home from that meeting. I drove two and a half hours to, to be in Harare and two and a half hours to come back. And I recall that evening, needless to say, I didn't sleep much. I walked up and down. I, I left my bedroom, came downstairs and prayed like I never prayed before. I prayed in tongues. I prayed with my understanding. And at one point in my prayer, I turned to the Lord and I asked, Lord, what would you have me do? What do you want me to do? Here you called me to preach, and here the leader of our, of our religious establishment is forbidding me to do to preach. What am I to do? And I recall that that very moment I asked the question, the Spirit of God whispered in my heart and said, I would do what Moses did when the Red Sea threatened to drown him. 
I would stretch, stretch forth my hand and I would continue preaching like I had been preaching. And that's what I've done ever since then. Now, not once did I find it difficult to choose God's ways above man's ways. Not once did I consider the loss greater than the reward of his presence. And even to this day, I ask myself, Lord, as I recall all these events, all these struggles, all these battles, all these oppositions, why did I not fear? Why did I not retreat? What was the secret? And I found the secret and I'm sharing it with you. The presence of God, which came out of my personal encounters with him in prayer and seeking his face. Nothing and no one can substitute those personal encounters. These personal encounters with the Lord enabled me to write my own story, live the life that God ordained for me to live, do the works he prepared for me before the world began to do. And let me tell you something, my brothers, my sisters, you, my spiritual family, and I speak to you from my heart today, and I encourage you, listen to my words. Unless you have your own personal encounters with God through his spirit and obtain your own personal experiences with him, you cannot write your own story. You cannot live your own life and you cannot do the works that God called you to do. You will end up writing a story that is not yours. It is. You will end up living a life that is not meant for you. Losing yourself by being occupied with so many other things which God never intended for you to do. They might be good things in the eyes of men and in your own eyes, but they might not be those very things that God has prepared for you to do. In short, you will have no testimony to share with anyone. You will end up speaking about the God that somebody else knows or the God you read somewhere in a book or heard someone else speak of. In other words, you, you, you will not be able to live that kind of life that God intended for you to live. And so I say, how precious, how valuable, how important are these personal encounters with God? What price can we put on them? Your life depends on them. Your rewards depend on them. Why Solomon said they are more precious than rubies. And all the things you may desire cannot compare with them. Nothing in this world can, can compare with the tangible experiences of knowing God and having these encounters with his presence. I know God is faithful. I know God is a good God. I know God is love. I know God is gracious and merciful. Not just because the Bible says so, 
not because the preacher says so, but because I have tasted and personally experienced all of these attributes. I'm sharing with you about the God that I know, and I'm encouraging you as my spiritual family, my spiritual sons and daughters, know the God of the Bible. Know the God of your father. Experience him in a tangible way and hear from him direct. And, and these are the exact words the Samaritans say to the woman, and I'm sure you know the story from the book of John, who this, this woman who had an encounter at the well with Jesus, she was so excited, she came to her village and began to tell them what she experienced, how she found the Messiah. And you know what? Through the testimony of this woman, she influenced them to get acquainted with Jesus. And she testified. And when, when, when they experienced Jesus themselves, because they asked him to stay for a few more days, they turned to the woman and they said, now we believe. Not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. You see, they were not satisfied with secondhand knowledge. They were not satisfied with the testimony of someone else. That's why so many believers fall today, because their faith is based in men rather than in God himself and in the Word of God. You see, they wanted to experience Jesus themselves. And they said to the woman, now we believe, not because of your words, but because we have experienced him ourselves. We have seen him, we have heard him with our own ears, we have seen him with our own eyes, we've sat with him, we've heard him, we've, we've fellowship with him, we've touched him, we've felt him, and now we believe. You see, the faith was anchored in Jesus himself, not in the words of someone else. And that's what we need today. Every disciple needs that. We start by hearing someone tell us about Jesus, but we don't stop there. We pursue God. We seek his face. We meditate in his word. As the word says, seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. We don't remain passive or indifferent, relying on the faith of someone else, on our parents, on our pastor, or whoever witnessed to us about Jesus. We pursue to go deeper and deeper into the knowledge that the Bible speaks about, the heart knowledge. The, the Samaritans received a a personal first-hand experience which resulted from their own personal encounter with the Lord. And John says, that which we have experienced, that which we have seen and heard, we communicate to you that you may have fellowship with us. And I'm sharing these things with you today, hoping that that I will spark some kind of a hunger in your own heart, in your own soul, and begin your own journey of seeking God and obtaining these personal experiences with the living God. And David said to his son, know the God I know, son, and serve him. 
with a willing mind and a loyal heart. And I say this, no one can truly serve God with a willing mind and a loyal heart without this experiential knowledge. And David gives us the key which leads us to this kind of knowledge when he said to Solomon, if you seek him, he will be found by you. Did you hear that? If you seek him, he will be found by you. God speaking through Jeremiah said the same thing. Jeremiah 23 verse 29 verse 13. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Many of you have questions. Some of you have doubts. You, you might be even questioning your own faith, questioning your own circumstances. All of these questions can only be answered by the presence of God as you seek his face. I can answer some of your questions, but I want to tell you this. No one can answer your questions better than the Holy Spirit. He is the only one who can wipe away your tears, who can erase all of your doubts and answer all of your questions. So go to God, seek his face, and don't stop until he reveals himself to you. And when he reveals himself to you, then your doubts will vanish because in his presence, there is no doubt. Your questions will be answered, but it's going to take some seeking and some fasting, perhaps. So when we get serious with God, he says, when you seek me and you seek me with all of your heart, that's when you're going to find me. We can no longer rely. We, have, we, we are living in volatile and dangerous times. And Paul spoke about this to Timothy. He prophesied that he said in the last days, perilous times. Another translation says difficult to bear days. We are in those days. And we can no longer rely on other people's faith or on other people's experiences. We cannot rely on our parents' faith, on their experiences, nor on our pastor's knowledge of God. We need to receive our own experiences with God and stand on our own faith and on our own personal testimony. David said, my soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. Psalm 63 verse 8. And again, David said, one thing I have desired of the Lord. That will I seek. What did he desire? He said that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Today we translate this in a New Testament language would be that I may dwell in the presence of the Lord all the days of my life and to behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire from him. So what do you desire? What is the one thing that gets you up in the morning? What is the one thing that you love and desire more than anything else? What are we pursuing? Who are we seeking? And this is in closing, I want to share with you 
the word which I received as I prepared this message. This is what the Lord said to me as I was preparing this word. He said, when you come to the place where you value my presence far more than anything else in your life, then I will fill you with myself to overflowing. And wherever you go, you will be known as a man or a woman who loves God and loves people. Many will be drawn to you because of who you carry. And many lives will be touched, healed and restored. It is my presence that restores lives. My presence that heals relationships. My presence that opens the eyes of the blind and binds up the brokenhearted. Therefore, seek my presence above all else. Learn to host and submit to my presence who lives within you, the one who walks with you and desires intimacy and fellowship with you more than anything else. In the pursuit of my presence, you will find life, fulfillment, and all you will ever need or desire. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your tangible presence in our lives. Thank you that you send the mighty Holy Spirit to live within us and bring us face to face with you. Give us these precious and heavenly experiences of being able to hear your very voice, see the beauty of your holiness, experience your loving kindness, your mercies that are new every morning, and your favor and grace in our lives. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his sacrifice and the price that he paid so that we could have such powerful, tangible, intimate experiences with the living God. We give you praise today in Jesus' precious and wonderful name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org. Dot Z8.